found my focus soon as you came into view Highlight and expose the way I think of you Now it's clear as day just what I need to do Start just give it all that you got Cause you don't wanna miss this moment Ready or not You've got to shoot your shot Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Shoot Your Shot So this episode is actually going to be split into three different parts this episode is going to be all about how all Asian weddings are not the same. And I am going to go through the three most popular types of Asian weddings that there are. Those being Muslim weddings, Hindu weddings and Sikh weddings. So we're going to go through each one individually in each part. I'm going to split it into three different episodes. And so I'm just going to go through some of the key moments in each type of wedding that there is and I'm going to explain some key moments that you as a photographer have to photograph as well as that I'm actually going to go through the religious aspect of each individual wedding and explain why it is that certain traditions are carried out how they occur in what sort of order do they happen and just go through the entire wedding day itself with you guys and maybe some of the pre-events as well and explain what happens, why they happen, and how you can be just better prepared as a photographer to capture those moments and expect what happens next. Because I myself, I remember first starting out in the wedding industry, I wasn't 100% certain of particular moments that would occur or key events that would happen within or throughout the wedding day of a Hindu slash Sikh event. Even some of the Muslim events caught me off guard. Some of the ceremonies that happened, some of the traditions that took place, I wasn't 100% sure or aware of. So the good thing about this is these episodes are going to help you be better prepared and just be more aware of what to expect when entering into a type of wedding that you may not have covered before. So today's episode is going to be based around Muslim wedding events. So today's episode is going to be part one. Let's start off with some of the pre-wedding events. So you will have initially an engagement. This is not a religious thing. It's literally just a gathering of the two families. It's a very much a, I wouldn't even say a cultural thing. It's just something that some couples tend to have and other couples don't. It is literally most of the time just exchanging of the rings. A lot of couples actually don't have this captured. But if you find yourself in an event where it's an actual engagement, it won't be anything out of the ordinary. Possibly the most key moment that will happen is the couple will exchange rings and there will be a cake. So nothing out of the ordinary. So I know that was very short and sweet, but moving on. Let's get into the dolki. Now, this, on the other hand, is a very cultural, and this happens all the time. 
in most weddings and you will quite possibly be booked for this as well as a wedding photographer so what the dolki is is a celebration that generally tends to take place possibly one to two weeks before the wedding day events begin it is generally a case of both sides can have it and both sides do tend to have it however one key aspect of this is traditionally it's always just the women that take part in this the guys don't really take part in this or aren't really within that environment of the dolki generally speaking so for example let's talk about the dolki on a bride side on the bride side it is a case of invites will be sent out for a particular date from the bride's family inviting close friends close family and it will be a very small and intimate gathering for the most part so it generally tends to happen at the bride's house as opposed to an actual venue some of the key elements of the dolki is you need to have a doll doll being a drum that you can sit down and play a lot of the times it is the elder aunties who play the doll normally they tend to have a spoon as well that is tapping on top of the doll as well so don't be surprised if you see that but all the invites will get sent out on that day traditionally all the families that are coming bring food bring, normally bring one dish each as well as the actual family who is hosting the event will also make possibly one dish and everyone just kind of gets together they share food they celebrate they have fun they sing there's lots of different kind of songs that they sing traditionally wedding songs from bollywood movies uh, they can be just other kind of quali songs these songs are normally handed out in terms of lyrics to all the people that are going to be partaking we also end up having people dancing at the dolki as well hence why generally speaking in a muslim wedding it is only the women that partake so only the women are allowed in that area so you will possibly have performances from the bride's sisters if she has any possibly the aunties if she has any sometimes even brides themselves have performed on the dolki night too so it's a really fun and really upbeat event that consists of nothing formal just literally just fun the other key aspect to mention about this is if it is the bride's side that is having this traditionally speaking the groom won't attend this dolki it's not for the groom the groom's side don't normally attend the dolki either it's normally just for the bride side and vice versa same with the groom's side if a groom were to have the dolki it's very much the same all the women of the groom's house will be celebrating in similar fashion but the groom won't actually be attending that dolki himself he may just pop his head in just to say hello and be teased by the family and he will traditionally just leave then and it's just there for the women of the house to celebrate and enjoy themselves freely and also just to mention the dolki is actually a very informal event it's not a formal event at all um but yeah that's the dolki so moving on to the more formal events that there are so first up we have the mendi now the mendi can happen one of two ways sometimes it can happen as a joint event so both bride and the groom will be part of the same mendi and they will be there together in the same environment 
but again traditionally speaking it tends to happen separately the groom will have his own mendi and the bride will have her own mendi completely separately another key aspect of a mendi is that if say again let's go on the bride side if it is the bride's mendi the groom's side so the groom's family the groom's very very close friends will attend the bride's mendi they will come and they will be the guests of honor they will be treated as such and welcomed into the venue with love and the bride side will have flowers and arrange rows so as the groom's family enter into the venue they will throw flowers over them and just welcome them with a lot of love and with a lot of positivity and happiness they'll be greeted by the bride's family and asked to sit very near to the stage some of the key things that you will find is that the groom's family will come with these large large decorated trays and they're absolutely beautiful they will have mendi on there they will have oil on there they will have candles and just decorated beautifully and they will lay these what they refer to them is thals so they will have these huge thals bring them in and present them at the feet of the bride who will at that time be sitting on stage they will coming in they will be coming in with possible performances you'll have some of the people dancing enjoying themselves and just making a grand entrance on behalf of the groom and representing the groom side one of the other things that they will bring with them is gifts for the bride's family they will bring gifts for the bride they will also bring a huge basket filled with bangles enough for the people attending the mendi again this is quite a traditional thing that happens and it's just there for positivity and it's there to celebrate a union that is going to be coming together in this very short few days because generally speaking a mendi is done possibly just a few days out of the actual wedding day itself another key aspect during a mendi especially on the bride's mendi is traditionally the mendi will actually be applied on the actual day itself so the henna on the bride's hands that you see the decorative mendi that she has as a bride that will be applied on the actual day a lot of brides opt out of that and do it either before or maybe just after to ensure that the stain remains or so they can enjoy their mendi event other brides on the other hand will actually have it done on the day as well however just to mention there will be a small pot of mendi and a small pot of oil that will be used throughout the entire event which i will get into and explain what the purpose of that is you'll find that mendis are actually very colorful events and everyone will be in very bright and vibrant colors beautiful opportunities for photographs absolutely amazing you will also find that the siblings of the bride or groom whoever it may be will be performing different types of dances and just celebrating again ensuring that everyone is having a good time personally i find the mendis to be the most fun events and the least stressful events even on my own mendi i found it very very fun and the most fun that there was of the three days 
So coming back to why there is mendi in a pot and why there is oil in a small pot as well. So what will happen is you'll find that as the bride is sitting down on stage individually one by one or possibly two to three people will come up, sit with the bride. They will place either some money into her hand or a large leaf or tissue even and they will place a little bit of mendi onto that tissue onto that piece of paper or money and they will put a little bit of oil onto the bride's head this is something that happens traditionally and you'll find that some people may even put a little bit of mendi into the hair as well just to color it traditionally speaking that's what tends to happen you will put mendi into the hair but obviously because brides of the modern era are very done up hair is beautifully done they prefer not to have that because the hair will get lumps of mendi in there which obviously they won't want but they will have oil in small part of their hair and they will have some mendi placed onto their hand You'll also find that there'll be large bowls of decorative fruit in front of her and maybe some sweets. And each person that comes up will actually take one of them via a toothpick or just with their hands and they will feed the bride-to-be and just sweeten her tooth. So again, these are key moments for you to be photographing because even though guests know that they are coming onto stage and their photo will be taken, because it's a very informal event, you'll find the stage shots will be very candid and the types of photographs you'll get are people having a laugh, having fun, joking around and just enjoying themselves. So these are key moments for you to be taking photographs. And as I mentioned earlier on as well, there will be performances, again, key moments for you to be taking photographs of siblings dancing, performing for the bride-to-be and on occasion again bride also gets up and she also performs as part of her mendi again another key moment for you guys to be taking photographs and just getting as many pictures as you can to tell a fuller story of that particular event okay now we're moving on to the actual wedding itself the wedding day now this can actually be split up the wedding itself is referred to as a nikah now that is a religious obligation that needs to take place in order for the couple to be married in the eyes of god so without the nikah in the eyes of god there is no marriage and it's not permissible so the nikah has to happen the nikah can sometimes happen on the actual wedding day event in inverted commas where the bride celebrates and the groom enters etc etc however it can actually take place prior to that it can even take place months and months prior to any of the wedding day events which again i am going to talk through and explain what happens during the nikah what you need to look out for and how it will work but let's talk about the actual wedding day itself first and I'll just incorporate the nikah into that because that's what a lot of couples tend to do in modern day. The wedding day itself will be referred to as a Barath day. The Barath day is the day of the wedding and is 
traditionally the bride's day. So broom and groom's family will be going towards the bride and not the other way around. So when the groom and his entourage arrive to the venue of where the bride is, he will be leading his family, his close friends, relatives towards the entrance of that venue. And this is where you as a photographer need to be very much aware because this is going to be the first interaction that the two families will be having on that wedding day. They're welcomed by the bride's family and depending on the setting itself, so if it's a venue, whether it's home, they will be stopped by the bride's family. So they'll have a banner or a bunch of people will stop them or stop them from entering into that venue and they will say, you have to, in order to come through and in order to gain entry, you have to pay up, you have to pay some money. This is a really fun kind of tradition that we have and is something that you need to capture and it will be in very close proximity. So you will have to be in between the two sides, pretty much in the crack of a door and they will kind of go back and forth and negotiate groom side offer something ridiculous like 10 pence and the bride side will ask for something ridiculous like 10,000 pound and they will just kind of negotiate and go back and forth and have fun and joke but eventually groom side and groom will end up paying up and giving some money to gain entry. Once the groom has entered he will then start making his grand entrance towards the stage. He'll have his family or friends in front of him dancing he's normally accompanied by very loud doll uh, generally two doll players who are signifying the arrival of the groom so this is a big moment this is when the groom has arrived to take his bride so he makes his entrance with the doll his friends his family are up front dancing walking him in and he kind of feels like this king this sultan as he enters into the hall you will get to the stage and traditionally you will have the sister of the bride or the cousin of the bride is generally a female who is sitting on stage which is where the groom is meant to be seated and again in order to take a seat he has to pay up they will negotiate once more again these are key elements for you as a photographer to be taking photographs and ensuring that you get because there will be a lot of jokes, a lot of smiling, a lot of joking around, and just the two families having fun. After negotiations, the groom will pay up again and take his seat. You will then take some pictures and he will then be greeted with a decorative cup from either bride's sisters or family or mother-in-law even with some milk in there, and he has to drink from this cup. Whether it's a sip or whether it's the whole cup, he has to drink from it. But in order to drink from the cup, once more, he has to pay up. So again, we're negotiating, trying to settle how much he's going to pay. He'll be asked for a ridiculous amount. He'll offer a ridiculous amount. And eventually, once they settle, he will then take a sip of the milk. So as you can gather, a lot of these games are played in a short amount of time. But the point of all these games is that they mark some of the most beautiful moments and building a good and positive and happy relationship between the two families 
and bringing them together. So it's very important that you capture these and it's very important for the two families to have those as well because it creates a fun loving kind of bond and hopefully that stays going forward. So moving on towards the nikah ceremony now. So with the nikah ceremony, what tends to happen is the bride will be covered by a large scarf. Traditionally, it is in white and she will be in a completely separate room. She will either be in a bridal suite. This is obviously if it takes place on the actual wedding ceremony day itself. She will be in a bridal suite completely by herself while groom is on the stage. In order for a nikah to be valid, each side, both the bride and the groom, must have two witnesses. They can be anyone. They can be family, they can be friends. But traditionally, these witnesses are male and they will be referred to as wallies. Okay, so each side must have two wallies. Um, the person carrying out the nikah ceremony itself will be a religious priest and he will be referred to as the imam. There is two ways of how the nikah ceremony will be taken place for the bride. On the one side, it will be as simple as the imam will speak to one of the wallies. Traditionally, it is the father of the bride. Traditionally, it is the father of the bride. And he will say, you have to go and ask permission from your daughter that is she happy to be wed. This is a key moment that you have to capture. The father will then go to the bride. The imam will not follow. And in front of witnesses, he must ask her, do you agree to this marriage? She will reply, yes. Again, this is a key moment that you have to capture. Prior to this, a meher will be set. What a meher is, is basically an obligatory gift or contribution that the groom must, under religious reasons, give the bride. It can be anything. It can be money. It can be a holiday trip. It can be a religious gift. But it has to come from the bride herself. No one is allowed, religiously speaking, to make that decision or make that choice for her. She must make that choice herself. So traditionally speaking, it tends to be money. If it is money, there is a certain amount of money that must be given and nothing below that must be taken. It is said that the lower the amount that the bride asks for, the more blessings God puts into that marriage. So you'll find that money will be asked for and that will be stated within the marriage contract when the nikah of the groom happens. But going back to the nikah of the bride, she will be asked her permission by her father and if she agrees, the father will take that permission and present it back to the imam. That is one way of her nikah going ahead. The other way of the nikah going ahead is the imam will approach and speak directly to the bride. So he will come to the bridal suite, he will sit down and he will ask her, are you happy with this marriage? She will reply, yes. He will then ask her that this is the amount of money or whatever the meher she has set at. This is what you have stated your meher to be. She will say yes. She must then recite what Muslims refer to as a kalma. What that is, is a religious recitation of a prayer 
and there are six of them, so she has to recite all six of them. If she doesn't know them, the imam will recite them and she will follow on. Again, these are key moments that you must be photographing. Once she's recited and the imam then goes ahead and makes a prayer, he will then ask three times, do you accept this marriage to this person? She will reply, yes. Or she will reply, kabulhe, which means, yes, I accept it. He will ask three times and she will reply three times, yes, I agree to the marriage. That will be her nikah done. Generally speaking, the imam will then leave. This is quite an emotional time for the bride's family. So you have to be in place and ensure that you capture those emotions. Once the imam leaves, he will then go to the groom. He will say, I have spoken to the bride. She has agreed to the marriage. Do you agree to the marriage? So in the same format, the groom will then have to recite six prayers. And once he's recited those, he will be asked three times, do you accept this marriage? He'll then have to reply, yes, I accept it, or kabulhe. And once that is complete, that will, in the eyes of God, mean that there is a union of those two couple now, and they are religiously married. This will be followed by people approaching the groom, hugging him, congratulating him. Once that is announced and people have finished congratulating the groom, sweet treats and nuts will be provided to everyone within the venue by the groom's side. The nuts themselves will be referred to as bid, which would have previously been prepared by the groom's side and handed out. So this is a celebration of the union that has just occurred in the eyes of God, and everyone will be enjoying themselves with some sweet treats. On occasion, there are couples who also tend to have their civil marriage done on the same day as well. I am finding more and more that this is not the case. It ends up happening on a separate day. But if you find that your bride or your groom end up having a civil marriage on the day as well, don't be alarmed. It's nothing out of the ordinary. So after this, after this is when the bride will make her entrance into the hall. Traditionally, she will have her siblings come in first or her bridesmaids come in first. And then she will then come in either with her family, with her siblings or with just her parents. This will be a very key moment because it is the first time that the groom is seeing his bride as his wife. So it's always a good idea to capture the groom. Make sure you get his reaction to first seeing his bride. The other hand, it's a very, very emotional time for the bride's family. The father and the mother will be walking her down and they are essentially walking her towards her new life and she is leaving her old life behind her. That's what that walkway to some extent signifies. It's a very, very emotional time for the bride side of the family. Once they arrive at the stage, traditionally father will place bride's hand into groom's hand and let them go on to stage. This can be then followed by either the cake cutting ceremony or the ring exchange. Again, nothing out of the ordinary, so it will be your normal pictures. It's always a good idea to, if it is the cake cutting, speak to the DJ beforehand and organize a bit of a countdown just so everyone is kind of riled up and having fun and enjoying themselves. So when you take your pictures, the images will come out more candid. 
bride and groom will be smiling, laughing, having fun. If it's the ring exchange, I always advise bride and groom, look, take it nice and slowly. Don't just kind of push it on all in one go and give us photographers the opportunity to really capture those key moments while you're putting the ring on. So afterwards, this is then followed by either lunch or dinner. This can be a really good opportunity to take the couple away for a couple shoot if they've not integrated a couple shoot into their itinerary. This will be the only time more than likely you will have in order to take these pictures. So it's a good idea to try and get that into. Once bride and groom come back or once they finish eating their dinner, it's then swiftly followed by the stage shots. Now, a number of guests, all of the guests that are attending that wedding, both from bride side and groom side, will come onto stage one family at a time or one gathering at a time and take a picture with bride and groom. This can be a very lengthy process and can take some time. So you need to be able to ensure that you have a tripod, put it into place, and it should be set to go. A good thing to have at this point is a point of contact, whether that's a close family friend or a sibling of the bride's, because it is the bride's day, just to organize the groups of people and ensure that everything is moving along very swiftly and very smoothly because you will find a lot of guests will want to take maybe a selfie or take additional pictures or talk to the couple on stage. Again, can be very time consuming. So having a point of contact or a person of contact will help just to streamline the process and move people along, especially if you have a large wedding, something like five to 600 people. Once the stage shots are done, then comes the saddest moment of the entire day, which is referred to as the Ruksati. Now, what that signifies is the bride essentially leaving her family and joining into the groom's family and starting her new life. So as I mentioned earlier, it's a very emotional time for the bride side of the family. And traditionally, the groom tends to stay away from this because this is a very much a bride moment. The groom will leave the stage and the siblings or close family relatives will put a scarf over the bride again, similar to prior to the nikah. And she will then go through her relatives, go through her friends, go through her family, saying goodbye to them one by one. You will find that there is a lot of crying. There's a lot of heightened emotion. A lot of people are very upset. Um, I generally tend to find as a photographer, it is best not to try and organize this. You should be nothing more than a shadow at this point in order to capture those raw emotions. You don't want to try and organize something or organize lines or cues or anything like that because this is a very emotional time. It is their day. They deserve to have the moment as is rather than it being interrupted or organized. So, but you'll find that the bride will meet her mother, her siblings, and then her father, and then she will go on to the rest of the relatives. Once the Ruksati has taken place, at the end of all of those people that she's met, you'll find her groom who will then take her hand, lead her back into the car that they are going to leave in. And traditionally, once they leave, they will head back to the groom's house 
where she will be greeted by the groom's family. Normally, a couple of people from the bride's side will also come back to the groom's side of the house as well, and they will then be greeted with games, with fun, and with love. And this is the time where groom actually gets his own back on the bride, and he will have either a very young sibling of his or a niece or a nephew sit on the bride's lap, and she has to pay him money as well. They will play a whole bunch of different types of games which they refer to as rasams and it just ends the entire evening or entire day on a very fun and positive note for both couples and both sides of the family as well. But that's what the Barat slash wedding day is. The final day of the Muslim weddings is a day called the Walima. Now, this day is actually the groom's day. And what happens on this day is because they are now married, you'll find that the couple won't be segregated as much, much like the actual wedding day. The event itself is quite an upbeat event. It's quite fun. The purpose of this event is to show the world, show your relatives that, look, we are married, we're celebrating, and you are all invited to this celebration of our union and our family's union as well. The couple would traditionally make their entrance together as opposed to separately like the wedding day and they will go straight to the stage together and everyone will be kind of clapping, whistling, just cheering them on, which is amazing. Generally speaking, food will be served followed by cake cutting or vice versa. So again, nothing out of the ordinary from a photographer's perspective. They may be dancing, so room normally ends up dancing a lot during the Walima towards the end of it especially. Generally speaking, I find that brides don't partake in this, but on occasion, brides do as well, uh, which is also fun and quite cool. On the Walima day itself, there's no ring exchanges or anything like that. The only thing that there is, is the cake cutting and food being served. Once again, you will have all the guests come up on stage and take stage shots similar to before always good to have a point of contact from the groom side this time just to ensure that it runs smoothly for you as a photographer and you are able to get all the guests onto stage swiftly take their picture and then get the next slot of guests up as well but that's all the Walima entails and that then concludes the entire wedding ceremonies for a Muslim wedding and from a photographer's perspective. I hope you guys have really enjoyed this episode. It's something definitely new and something that I think is super helpful. And I'm really looking forward to going through part two and part three with you guys. So please join me again next week. And I look forward to speaking to you. Take care, guys. Bye. Found my focus soon as you came into view Highlight and expose the way I think of you Now it's clear as day just what I need to do Don't ever start, just give it all that you've got this morning
Enjoy your shine.